ball in. Knocks it across by Walker. It's ball inside. It's in. Dundee have scored. An amazing winner that will be. Sprinting from the midfield. Georgian Nzanti. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode from the Up With The Bonnets podcast. This week from the Old Provery Road podcast, we are bringing you the Matt Lockwood interview that Gary Cocker and Ryan Norrie done way back in 2020. We hope you enjoy this one. Hello Matt, how are you? Evening, very well, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, we, uh, we've been recording a couple of these with different players, quite a few uh, of whom uh, you played with or knew uh, at your time at Dens. So we'll definitely get on to that. Um, but just for now, like, how are you finding uh, lockdown life? Um, I'm guessing that you're in London if um, if you're working for BBC London. Um, how are you finding everything? No, so I'm in Edinburgh. I've, we, I, I never, Brilliant. Yeah, so we, we, we just uh, fell in love with Edinburgh when we moved up. Um, obviously, back in 2010, when I signed for Dundee, I said to my wife, look, you know, where, where do you want to live? And she said, look, is Edinburgh too far to commute to Dundee every day? And I was like, no, that's fine. I don't mind sitting in the car for an hour. So did that, obviously, four years at Dundee, fell in love with Edinburgh during that time. So when I uh, finally hung the boots up, um, we, we, stayed in, we stayed in Edinburgh. So we've been here 10 years now. Um, got no plans on moving back. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not too far away. We could have uh, we could have done it if it wasn't for all the um, shenanigans going on. But no, we've got lockdown. You know, it's it's fine. Um, it, it's 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 boring at times, I suppose, but it gives you plenty of opportunities to spend time with the family. Um, we we sort of the dog's never been walked so much in her life. <laughs> She's getting very tired. Um, the only thing you know we are struggling with is the homeschooling. You know, my, my girls are eleven and eight, and they 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 can't get their head round that they're at home and they've got to do schoolwork. Uh, don't listen to mum and dad and uh, yeah that that's that is the hardest part get up the, the garden's looking immaculate the car's clean um you know all the all the chores around the house have been done um but you know i think uh, i'm probably not the only one just desperate for this all to go back to normal but again we want to make sure that when it is back to normal you can go out and you can be safe um, i don't know how it will look i mean you know, you sort of, are you ever going to be able to shake hands with people again? Are you going to be able to, when you when you go and sort of like, you know, see them, it's weird. It is really strange. I bumped into a friend of mine. Um, I was out on a bike ride the other day and we had exactly the same thing. So on a Thursday night, the dad's from school, we have a game of football, just like, you know, six aside. And uh, even that, we were like, you know, at the end of the game, you, you shake hands with everyone. You sort of like congratulate people and, and, and stuff. And it's... It's going to be uh, very weird, I think, moving moving forward. But at the end of the day, as long as everyone's safe and everyone's well, and we get through this as unscathed as possible, I think uh, you know this is all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't envy the guys and uh, your dad's six aside team uh, coming up against you every week. Well, it's quite <laughs> funny. They, they they do make me look like Messi because in Edinburgh they're all rugby guys. So yeah. uh, there's a couple of ex Scotland internationals, like they played for the Lions and stuff like that. So on, on the rugby pitch, they would obviously annihilate me, but pitch, they uh, they do give me uh, they boost the confidence, put it that way. So uh, <laughs> that, that was, which is always nice. Well, I actually live in Edinburgh, so if you ever need a ringer, just let me know. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a shout because we're always we're always some well not always, but we're sometimes struggling for numbers. So uh, yeah, we'll, I'll I'll do that, and then you can come and spill in because the standard is pretty pretty low. Yeah, I'll fit right in if the standard's that low. Um, but we'll uh, we'll get on to slightly higher standards hopefully, um, and talk about um, the reason that you came up to Scotland in the first place, which was signing for Dundee. Now um, I noticed that most of your career, well, all of your career before that was spent in England, um, and obviously you yeah, grew up down south. You know, you played for years for Leighton Orient. So it seems it must have been a bit of a bolt from the blue to be offered a chance to come up north and play for Dundee. So how did that come about? Was Gordon Chisholm somebody who had come across you sort of with a previous club in a previous life? Or was it just a, a case of Dundee needing a left back and uh, you uh, meeting the criteria? No, so it was a weird one. I, I'm surprised you guys have never heard this story. Maybe I've, maybe I've not told it. But uh, so basically, I just left uh, Colchester. I've been at Colchester for two years and I had a nightmare there. Literally, I got injured um, sort of after, you know, three games of the season. The manager that signed me got sacked. 
Um, the next manager that came in just, you know, first thing he did was sign a left back. So I was injured. He'd never seen me kick a ball and he went and signed a new left back. And I was like, mm, right, that, that sort of doesn't sound too, uh, too promising. So I didn't, I didn't play for him. Then he left and then the next guy came in and he, my, my wife actually said to me when, when he came in, she was like, oh, is this good for you? Is it, you know, will you get a game now under this guy? I was like, this is even worse because this guy just launches the ball forward. He wants to have like a bunch of big, strong meatheads playing. He doesn't want anyone that can play football. Um, and the left back that they'd signed was, you know, a, a complete meathead, big, long throw. He used to just whack it in the channel. He didn't, wasn't a good footballer at all. Um, so I was like, no, rubbish. Um, so anyway, so in my two years at, at Colchester, I played seven games. And, you know, I was 34 at the end of my contract and everyone thought my legs had gone because I was 34. I hadn't played for Colchester at a club that clearly I should have been playing. Um, you know, on, on paper, um, people would look at it and go, well, Matt, would be one of their best players, let alone not get not even getting in the squad. So I suppose realistically, they, they thought, well, Matt's legs must have gone. If he can't get a game at Colchester, then you know, he's no good for us. So in all honesty, I was struggling for a club. I was actually training with Southend United because I lived in Southend. That was that was where I've, I've been, you know, I was born and raised. And I went in and I was training with them just to keep fit because it was pre-season and I didn't have a club. Um, and then Craig Easton was at Southend at the time. He was the uh, the club captain. And obviously Craig, you know, used to play for, for United. Um, and I played with Craig at Leighton Orient. So I was with I was with well, I was with Eastie for maybe two or three years at Orient. Um, and he just said, look, he said, I know Billy Dodds pretty well. He said, and I know Dundee need left back. Do you want me to give him a call and see, see what, what, you know, what, what he's thinking? And I was like, look, if you don't mind, then yeah, happy days. I said, I'll, give, I'll definitely be interested in that. So he spoke to Dodsey. Dodsey and Chiz had never heard of me, you know, didn't know anything about me. But Eastie put a good word and just said, look, Matt, Matt's decent. He's, he's fit, lad. He'll come up and he'll, he'll, he'll do well. So they were like, okay, well, off the back of Craig's recommendation, they, they got me up. Um, I think I had a couple of days training, played um, a game as a trialist. And literally after the game, they just sort of said, right, yeah, okay, you, you, we, you, we can see that you're, uh, you're not bad. You fancy signing for a year. And I did. And then, um, you know, one thing or one year turned into four years and it was... Uh, yeah, all started from Craig Easton. So, even though he's, uh, you know, he, he's one of the others, you know, the, <laughs> down the road, he, he's, he's the one to uh, to thank for all this. What's quite interesting is that usually, if players, I say usually, um, you know, most of the time when players move um, to, you know, the other end of the country or to a different country or you know, out with their where they usually play, um, they might not have a wife and kids at that point. But um, I think. You were married by the time that you moved to Dundee. Did you have any kids by that point? Yeah, so we had Bella, our eldest. So she was, what, 18 months, I think, when we came up here? I mean, she's um, 11 now. So, yeah, so, yeah. yeah she'd have been just over one. Um, and it, it was, like I say, I think for, for a footballer to move around the country, it's quite easy. You walk into a dressing room and you've got 20 new friends. For my wife, you know, she's going to a new city where she doesn't know anyone, and it and it and it's hard for her, you know, for for the for the other half. I mean, my wife is very sociable. Uh, you know, having the child as well was quite cool because she was going to toddler groups and stuff like that. So she, I mean, she's got more friends than I have, like miles more friends than I have now. Um, you know, so and she is she's good at that sort of thing. So, so stuff like that doesn't phase her. Um, and it was a bit of an adventure. In all fairness, we just sort of said, look, we'll rent our house out for a year. We'll go up to Scotland. I was 34, turning 35. Um, I was like, it's not going to last long, is it? Because realistically, age is going to get the better of me. Um, but turned into being, you know, four fantastic years and uh, I loved every minute of it. That's brilliant. So uh, when you came up um, and uh, obviously you would have, you know, gone to Dens, met the manager, met the dressing room and everything. I'm just quite interested. Um, was Edinburgh chosen just, um, were there quite a few players in the dressing room that lived in Edinburgh? as well and uh, car pulled up to Dundee or was it a case of sort of trying to match a, a lot of different parts of your life and work out where it would be best to move? Yeah, no, so I didn't, I didn't um, contemplate living anywhere because of where the players were. I, you know, I said to my wife, where will you be happy? Where do you want to live? Don't worry about me. I couldn't care less. You know, if I had my way, I'd have been living in St. Andrews every afternoon, you'd have found me on the golf course. But 
Yes. So she just said, look, I, I, because the company she used to work for had an office in Edinburgh um, and everyone used to speak really highly of it. And it was a place that she just quite fancied sort of moving to. So I was like, look, it's fine by me. It's 60 miles to Dundee. Um, you know, I used to drive when I was at Orient and when I was at QPR and I always used to commute at least an hour in the car. So stuff like that doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Um, so we sort of chosen where we were going to live prior to me knowing where any of the boys um, actually lived. It actually turned out okay because Nikki Riley lived in Edinburgh um, and then lads we had on loan also sort of like lived this neck of the woods. I mean, over the years we had um, Johnny Stewart, we had David Viterveen, Colin Nish, um, you know, Christian Nade was, was, was in Edinburgh. So you know, there was always guys in, in the car to sort of commute up and down with. So you're never, never by yourself. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why we, we chose Edinburgh. And, you know, the fact that we're still here shows that we, we, we chose correctly because it's such a fantastic city. And you, you scored your first goal for the club from the penalty spot in October. And you also set up a winning goal in a two-on-one win against Morton. So I presume that was an enjoyable day. What are your memories from it? Yeah, so the Morton one, um, it was Jamie Adams, wasn't it, who scored the goal. Um, I was actually shooting. It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a cross. I, I shot and he, uh, he managed to get a toe on it. But I think, um, you know, getting on penalties for me was obviously an important thing. Being the left back, you don't score, you know, from open play that often. In fact, I don't think I actually, did I score from open play for Dundee? I don't think I did. Um, I can't remember if I did I can't remember it I know I've scored a free kick and, and stuff like that but you know in my career you know I scored quite a few goals but the majority of them were from penalty spot and I, w- I was always fairly confident from the spot um, you know so I always sort of backed myself to score um, so I spent, again being a sort of experienced head as well if it came down to a big penalty I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd back myself to score um, nine times out of ten so that's why I sort of put myself forward to get on them um, and I think that first season I think maybe we got five penalties and I, I scored all of them um, so it was uh, it was good and you know it was just it was just a, a, a good even though it was a strange time to be at the club it, it was an enjoyable time and uh, you know the, the, the Morton game obviously sort of scoring quite late on and, and celebra- celebrating uh, you know in front of the Derry it was uh, it, it was a good uh, it was a good game that one Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, that was only a few short weeks um, before the club entered administration. Now, obviously, um, Dundee as a club, we've been through administration before, um, but this time seemed, maybe it's just because I was that bit older and uh, maybe read the papers and uh, the fan forums and whatnot a bit more, but it seemed a lot more precarious. I mean, you'd obviously just moved up uh, up to Scotland. You'd just started playing for Dundee. Um, what were your what are your memories of uh, those couple of days when things would have been getting decided about who was getting kept on and obviously the managerial duel that brought you in um, were leaving as well. So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that time and the state of flux that the club was in? Yeah, so it was funny. So when it first came around and the, the, there was rumours and, and, and that things were going wrong, I, I was sort of saying to the players, why, why are we worried? Because the players are untouchable. You know, I said, well, we can't get sacked. We can't lose our jobs. You know, we, we're protected because we're, you know, preferred creditors or, or however, whatever the terminology was at the time. And the lads were like, I don't think you're, you're right there. Because where I was coming from was down south. I, the PFA, you know, you as a football, as a player, your contract is, um, well, I think, I think you are like a preferred, a, preferred, a preferred creditor. So if the club goes into administration down south, Guys in the office, you know, um, anyone behind the scenes can lose their jobs. Players are untouchable down south. And I just presumed it was the same up here. So I wasn't bothered at all, really, for myself. I was like, well, we're all fine. Why are you worried? And then I did a bit of digging. I spoke to the PFA um, because I was the PFA rep at Dundee. And I was swiftly told, no, it's even up here. Anyone can lose their jobs. And I was like, okay, right, now now I, I, I get it. Um, you know, and it, and it was a really worrying time. I mean, I um, had relocated and, and made a, made the big move, um, but I suppose it was one of those where we could always just, just go back go back home if, if it hadn't worked out, and uh, and it wasn't wasn't too much of an issue. But you know, for the boys that actually went and lost their jobs, it was awful. You know, it was such a horrible, horrible time. Um, at our level, you know, players do live pay packet to pay packet. 
it's not like you've got you know millions sat in the bank that you can fall back on you haven't um and so when boys are actually struggling to put food on the table for their you know for their families that's that's sort of when it really does hit home and and, and it showed or it, i suppose it proved the enormity of it all um but again the club had to do it they had no choice you know they didn't have the money to, to carry on the administrators came in and, and said well this is the only way the club can stay afloat you know, th- those nine players and, and the management um, duo had to go um, and you know the, the guys that were left basically you were sink or swim and the fact that we were left with 11 really good players we just yeah it, it, it just sort of everything just ended up clicking and and it was just an unbelievable experience and uh, you know it's definitely a season that I'll never forget and never and will never be uh, recreated it's impossible to recreate that it's um, yeah it was un- unreal Obviously, um, Barry Smith was asked to, to take up the reins uh, when uh, Gordon Chisholm and Billy Dodds uh, left the club. And I think I'm right in saying that you and Rab Douglas uh, assisted them with that and you'd recently gone through your coaching badges as well. Um, so how did that conversation go? Did you know Barry from around the club quite well or was it a case of taking two of the experienced players in the dressing room and... Uh, sort of leaning on you for a bit of wise counsel every now and then. Yeah, so obviously Barry got promoted from from youth team boss, wasn't it? And then Rab and Rab have been have been really good mates for for years. Um, I suppose I was forced upon them purely and simply because, like I say, I had done my coaching badges. Um, you know, I, I passed my A license, and I was thirty four, thirty five, um, and I'd been speaking to Harry McLean quite a lot. You know, Harry would invite. Before you know, when I moved when I moved up to Dundee, before um, my wife and daughter came up, um, Harry used to invite me round for dinner, and we used to just talk football for hours. And he could see that I was quite passionate about it, and he obviously thought I was fairly knowledgeable about it as well. I don't know how I pulled the wool over his eyes to make that, but um, you know, he, he he was asking questions. He, he was finding out about my ambitions to be a coach or a manager, um, and. I must have uh, sort of impressed him enough for him to sort of say, well, look, can you assist Barrett? And again, don't get me wrong, if there'd have been um, a load of candidates out there, I probably wouldn't have been offered that role. But there wasn't. We were, like I say, all in it together. There was Barry and 11 players and that was it. Um, you know, so it was a case of I was probably the best of a bad bunch to, to go and assist. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, again, it was, it was one of those where we all just mucked in and just tried to do as much as we could. We could go through each game that season, uh, particularly the 23 in a row uh, where uh, we were not beaten. Um, So there's so many different games that we can pick out, but I suppose it it might be more useful um, to just hear what are some of your most vibrant memories from that season. I mean, as a fan, the ones that stick in my head are uh, Neil McCann's late winner, um, Jamie Adams' late winner as well. And there was a comeback against Dunfermline as well. Um, but are there any other games or are any of those ones that uh, are really seared into uh, conscious from that season? No, I mean, obviously, um, Neil McCann's goal against that, the home to Wraith, wasn't it? You know, um, I think Gary um, Harkin scored a good free kick, I think. Fantastic, yeah. It's back in and then obviously Neil scored the uh, the winner. I th- I just, for me, that season was all about the team spirit. We had, like you say, we got left with 11 players. We had trialists coming in to help out like Neil McCann um, you know you had, we had fans playing we had um, the youth team boys stepping up and coming and, and, and sort of joining in as and when they could were asked to we, it was just all hands on deck the team spirit that year was amazing um, I remember we went out for our Christmas do we went into Edinburgh actually and we went to Supercube the um, karaoke bar I'm not really into karaoke or anything like that um, but, you know, all the boys are in there all singing. And it was that, I think, maybe a month or two prior to, to that do, um, Rab's mum had passed away. Um, and I remember we were all in the middle of this room, Rab singing a song, which was, I think, quite um, emotional to him. So he started crying. We're all crying. We're all cuddling each other in, in the middle of this bloody, um, you know, karaoke bar. And you sort of look at that and you think, you know, I've not had that in many places. You know, the, 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 the most successful teams I've played in, you've always had a fantastic team spirit and that bond 
that you'll work that extra yard for your teammate or, you you know, if, if, he, if your teammate's in trouble, you'll go and help him. Um, and we had that that season. You know, you had guys like Lee Griffiths who were, you know, his own little, in his own little world and he <laughs> wasn't necessarily a team player, but he was a fantastic player that scored a lot, a lot of goals. Um, and you can obviously see why he's gone on to do as well as he has. Um, but everyone else, we were, you know, we were in it together. We were fighting to save that football club. Um, whether, like me, you know, I've just come to Scotland, I've been here for five minutes and I didn't really know anyone or, um, you know, I had no affiliation with, with the club in, in, as, it, as it was then. Um, we, you know, we were all very professional. We were desperate to prove people wrong. Um, and, you know, if the league were trying to relegate us with the 25 points, um, you know, that was our biggest, I suppose, incentive I don't know whether you guys have been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Yeah. And, you know, he always talks about if someone annoys him, that gives him the fuel to go and fight even more. And we had all the fuel we needed. You know, we didn't need um, you know, every every game we played. You know, Barry didn't even need to do any team talks. You know, we, we knew what we had to do. Um, you know, as soon as the league said, right, you know, you've got your 25 points deduction, it, it was easy. Barry just needed to just sort of tell us what number of shirts we were wearing pretty much um we, we ran everything for for him you know we we had a really good experienced dressing room professional dressing room we didn't let um our no one let their sort of like their standard slip um in training everyone was at it all the time in games everyone was at it all the time and until we were across the finishing line until we'd sort of saved ourselves and we knew we couldn't go down um it was literally um, as professional as, as as it could be in those um, circumstances, and it was great. It was really good to be involved with. And talking about that twenty-five point deduction, what were your initial thoughts when that news came through? I don't know, really. You sort of think, is this a joke? Is this wind up? You, you think, they, how can they do that? It, it was because they just made it up as they went along. It wasn't as though there was a rule in place to say, right, if a club goes into administration, you will have ten points deducted. You will have whatever deducted. They just made it up. And I, and, I, and I appreciate that Dundee had been into administration like before, and, and I suppose it was second time, so they were really going to try to punish them. Um, but the fact that it was literally just completely made up, um, again, gave us that incentive to say, right, you know what? Do what you want. We're not going down. Um, and going on, on that run that beat the all-time record and, um, and having all those fairy tale stories of... Uh, of players coming in to help out, like I said, with, um, you know, with fans coming and playing and, and stuff like that. It was just, it was just, it, it was sort of the perfect year for me, if that makes sense, in, in a sick way. Um, it's probably one of the most enjoyable seasons I've ever had. Um, bear in mind, you know, we've been promoted with Dundee since and, you know, I've been promoted with Orient and Nottingham Forest and stuff. Um, yeah, in a, in, a, in a weird way, that was probably one of the most enjoyable, enjoyable seasons. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Lee Griffiths earlier. I think this was the season that he was sent off against Motherwell in the cup, and I think he spoke recently about Rab Douglas pinning him up in the shower um, after the game to have a bit of a word with him. Uh, do you remember that at all? Or, um... Yeah, I was, I was I was next to him in the shower, and Rab came in. Um, so the story is obviously we were playing Motherwell at home in the, in the cup. On I think it was on TV as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, I think the night before Sparky had been on Facebook saying, oh, this is the biggest game of my career. It's a chance for me to, you know, get my move and all this sort of stuff, which I think annoyed Rab anyway. We're in the car on the way to the game and I was with Nicky Riley and we'd left really early because the weather was awful that, that winter. That was when we had like snow from October to like February or something dark. And I said to the boys, I said, is, is, is the winter like this all the time up here? Um, obviously being a soft southerner I wasn't, wasn't used to that but uh, they were like no this, this is this is a strange one so anyway so we, we were playing Motherwell at home so Nicky and I had left really early because the, the, the uh, weather in Edinburgh was awful the traffic was really bad so we got to about Perth my phone goes it's sparking Matt where are you? I was like Perth where are you? he said I'm stuck in Edinburgh the traffic's horrendous I was like what? you've only just left I was like what are you doing? because I'd offered him a lift with me the day before as I you know, I said that you're more than welcome to jump in with us. We're leaving it this time. Um, and he was like, oh, well, I just left at the normal time. So on a sunny day, you leave at, you know, 
midday to get in for one thirty, um, and he left at the same time. So he was so late, it was a joke. And you know, we're preparing in the dressing room, but now we don't know if he's going to make it on time, if he's going to be there for kickoff, if he's going to start, is he going to be sub? It really did disrupt the um, you know our preparations. You know, he turned up half an hour before the kickoff, and made his apologies, which is fine. It's not like he came in being all arrogant and saying, "Oh, I'm you know, I'm I'm Lee Griffiths, I'm, I'm going to play and I'm, I'm going to be amazing." So you know, he made his apologies, but it's just unprofessional, and, and that's. That's what really hurt Rab, I think, the fact that he was unprofessional. He then goes and gets sent off after having an absolute stinker anyway. Um, you know, we lose and, yeah, Rab just wanted to go and uh, vent his frustrations out on him. So, yeah, so he pinned him up against the uh, against the wall in the shower. Uh, yeah, Sparky was, like, yeah, probably uh, three foot off the floor, little legs dangling down, um, naked. It was just bizarre. Yeah, really bizarre. But uh, again, you don't you don't argue with Rab, do you? He's he's, um, he's quite a, he's quite a, a big big chap. Um, so yeah, he, he, he took it, and uh, then he got his move down to Wolves anyway. So uh, yeah, we uh, in, in in all fairness, we probably you know we didn't really miss Sparky when he left because of that sort of you know th- those issues with him. Um, you know, we he was the only one possibly that wasn't really. Maybe a big, as a as a much of a team player as the rest of us. Um, so when he went, and yeah, we would like to say we didn't really sort of miss him. So obviously, uh, with that cup game and with Lee's sale, um, that money allowed the club to come out of administration and I think offer you a new deal as well. Uh, and that would obviously be part of us planning for the uh, the next season, the 2011-12 season. So how early was there discussion about um, about you staying on and? My guess is that by that point you were settled and very happy at Dens and quite happy to stay. Yeah, exactly. After that season, you, you didn't really want to leave because you sort of then fancied yourself to maybe get promoted the next season. Um, so, yeah, Barry offered me a new new deal. Um, I was fully expecting a new deal. I, you know, I played most of the games and I was doing well. So um, I didn't see there being any any issue from, from that side of things. Um, I mean, I th- I th- yeah, I think I sort of... Uh, took a bit of a hefty pay cut, but, um, you know, it was one of those where, yeah, I just wanted to play football and I was, you know, thir- nearly 36 at the time and I knew that I didn't have long left and um, it wasn't as though <clears throat> I was going to go to another club. So yeah, I was, uh, I was happy to, to, to sign to, and to, to carry on. So it was, uh, it was good and it was, it was interesting to then see how sort of, you know, it, it panned out with, um, you know, the next season and, and seeing if you could then, build something to actually get promoted because ultimately, you know, the championship at that time wasn't very strong. Um, and, you know, we were probably the biggest club in, in the division and we, we should have been up at the top fighting for, for promotion. And that must be quite a, a mental shift as well, because obviously the 2010-11 season was about sort of, you know, uh, getting up the league, proving everybody wrong, keeping the club up to so sort of almost the underdog role. And then that shift into, instead of, you know, being the, the scrappy underdog fighting for survival, going to, no, we're, you know, we're going for promotion. We want to be the top dog here. So um, how did you feel the, the squad handled that shift um, from the previous season when, you know, the fans were, uh, you know, fully behind the club? Um, you know, I've been going to Dens for years and that's the one season that sticks out in my mind as being the one where I didn't hear any booing. Uh, didn't hear any shouts from the crowd at uh, players and then moving into a season where there might be a little bit more of that. How did you feel uh, the squad handled that transition? Yeah, I think I think they were fine. I mean, there was obviously a lot more pressure because then there was that, that expectation that you did so well the year before with the limitations you had where you couldn't sign any players, where this year, where those sort of sanctions had been lifted, then there, there was obviously going to be more pressure on you. There was going to be more expectation that, well, hold up, we went 23 games unbeaten when we were playing youth team players in the first team out of position and we were still getting results. Um, where now we should you know, be winning this division. And, and rightly so, we, you know, we were a big club and we, and we should have been there or thereabouts. Um, and I think as a, as a footballer, you want to be involved in those sort of teams and those sort of seasons where you you've got a chance of winning stuff. I mean, you know, I've, I've played in teams where you just end up mid-table and you, you're just playing and you hope you don't go down. You're not really going to go up. You just sort of just get through the season. It's rubbish. Um, I, could, I could probably name, well, what was it? I was a, I was a, a pro footballer for, what, 20-odd years. 
there's probably only maybe three or four seasons that I actually remember how it how it panned out. And they were the seasons when you were, you know, fighting for promotion or getting in the playoffs or or doing something like that. And uh, you know, that's where you want to be. I mean, you see all these top players. Um, and you sort of think, like, you look at someone like Harry Kane at the moment, who's obviously an unbelievable player, and people sort of say, oh, but why would you leave Tottenham? You know, they've moved to a fantastic new stadium and he's earning fortunes, but he wants to win things. You know, players, you want to be involved in cup finals, you want to win leagues, you want to, um, you know, at the end of, your, end of your career, you want to have those memories and photos and, and trophies where you've been celebrating with your, with your team, not just... Oh yeah, well, we came fourth, or you know, we, yeah, we we had a, we had a quite a good season. I scored a few goals, and we ended up you know rubbish. You don't you don't, you don't remember those years. Um, so that next season was a big season for us, um, and and I fully expected us to be there or thereabouts. And just going back to that defiant season, you made thirty four appearances, scored five goals, and you were voted the club's player of the year. How does that season rank in your overall career? It's always nice to get sort of uh, nominated for Player of the Year and stuff like that. I mean, appearances-wise and, and, and goals, like I say, getting on the penalties and, and scoring five penalties that year was was, was good. And, um, yeah, I just I just felt at home at Dundee. I don't know why. I mean, like I say, some of the clubs I went to, I didn't ever really sort of feel at home and didn't do as well as I possibly should have done and maybe didn't have that affiliation with the, with the fans. But I just felt at Dundee. I had that instantly. Um, you know, I don't know why. It was just, just, just. Um, it, it was just, it was just a good fit, I think. Um, and you know, from from day one, I say that first season, scoring, scoring those goals and, and helping save the club, and, and then I think that probably helped, didn't it? Let's be honest. Being in that defiant year, um, the fans just, you know, probably liked all those players, um, whether they were your favourite or or not. Every every one of those players that helped save the club that season will be probably etched in in Dundee's history for forever. Um, you know, I mean, I know we were we were going to have um, uh, a bit of a sort of a, uh, a reunion on that um, recently, but it got called off because of everything that's going on in the, in the world at the moment. But um, you know, by all accounts, have been like five hundred tickets sold to the event for the uh, for the Defiant season reunion. So. It shows how much it meant to the club, the, the city, the, the 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 whole, you know, the whole the whole the whole place. Um, so, you know, for me personally, that that it, it, you know, I'm obviously very proud of the fact that I did well and and the fans appreciated it. And then you got you know voted for, for player of the year and stuff like that. It was nice. Um, so uh, you know, Dundee will always have a special place in my uh, in my heart. That's for sure. You mentioned the togetherness of the squad. The players and the fans also had a tremendous bond that year. Uh, that was clear home and away with the great numbers that they brought. Uh, and one that epitomised it was over a thousand Dundee fans travelled to Dumfries on the final day to say thank you to the players. Now, obviously, the result didn't mean much that day. Uh, but what do you remember from that day specifically? And overall, how did the fans spur you on, and how important were they that season? Fans were amazing. That's the thing. I mean, you, you could you can tell or you could tell. How big a club Dundee is um, with the with the support that they had. The travelling support was 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 great. Like you say, travelling all those places, you know, going up to Dingwall and down to Dumfries. It's it. They were there all the time. Um, and again, I know everyone had a purpose to be there to try and show their support and to save the club and stuff like that. But it wasn't. It was more than that. You could tell it was. It really meant the world to everyone. I mean, I, st- I still keep in touch with some Dundee fans. Um, you know, they, they sort of text me from time to time, seeing how I am and and, uh, and and checking in on you. And it's got that sort of vibe about it. Um, you know, it, it's... I think there's some clubs you go to and you are kept away from the, the fans, not through any fault of, of the players, but that's just how it is, where... At Dundee, it was it was a community. It felt like a community club. You know, we would go out and do our um, you know, hospital visits and, and everything else. But it did feel that you were more, you had more interaction with the fans, um, which is great. The, the players loved that. You know, um, you know that season. It was it was it was just it had everything. You know, like obviously make make like a movie out, out of what happened that year. Um, you know, I, I was watching Mike Bassett, England manager, the other the other day, which is uh, which is quite a funny film but you could you could actually make a film for that season um, it's a shame they didn't actually have like a behind the scenes film crew sort of following you around and, and seeing what actually went on 
um, because literally it was just everyone was in it together. And that goes from, you know, the chief exec, manager, players, um, you know, the uh, staff in the, in the office, um, you know, the, the kit man and kit lady and, um, you know, the girls who, you know, used to make us lunch and stuff like that. Everyone was in it together. And even, you know, I, I came back to the uh, to the Dundee Player of the Year Awards this year, um, or last year, whatever, and seeing everyone, you know, bearing in mind I, I, I left, what, six years ago, um, everyone sort of like just comes up and gives you big cuddles and, oh, we miss you. And, and it's just lovely. It is, it's a really, really... Um, amazing little club and that for me all stemmed from that season of what happened um, you know I think in the sort of like in the fact that there was so much adversity there you've got I suppose you've always got that thing in common haven't you that we we were all there at the same time we're all in it together we're all wanting the same thing to save that football club to make sure that it could survive um, and be where it is today Absolutely and uh, the following season we actually did have a pretty Good season 2011-12, but I think we were unfortunate to come up against a, a right Highland juggernaut in Ross County, who they only lost one game all season. They were just unstoppable. And at that point, we didn't have the playoffs like we do now. So how did the how did the players sort of keep up their determination every week when, you know, you must have been going back into the dressing room at full time thinking, surely they've slipped up this week, but every week County were just winning or, uh, you know, not you weren't able to gain ground on them to to make sure it was a title race right until the end. Yeah, it was annoying. I mean, obviously, you know, Ross County had had money and they were spending it wisely and, and they had a good good team and they won the league comfortably, didn't they, in the end? And, and rightly so, the best team did win the league that year. Um, and it was frustrating. But again, you're, you're professional. You want to win every game. You want to do as well as you can. Um, and I thought, I did think we sort of underperformed that season to a certain extent. I thought we should have done better. Um but again, we, we finished second, didn't we? And um, it would have been it would have been nicer to push them a bit harder. Um, I mean, we did have sort of quite a few good games against uh, Ross County, and there was sort of a bit of needle in those games. I remember I sort of said a few things in the press just to wind their manager up because I thought it was funny. Um, bias as well, which, which makes it even funnier. Um, <laughs> he would care what I had to say, but um, you know, and, and they like Colin McMenamin was there, and especially. The fact that he'd been, like, you know, sort of sacked by Dundee the season before, so there was all those sort of added in, you know, added stories in in those games against Ross County that I suppose inspired them to to go on and play well and and and, and do well. But like you say, they were unstoppable that season, and they rightly went they rightly went up. Um, so we had to sort of make do with with, with second best, unfortunately. Um, you say unfortunately, but it, uh, unknown to us at the time, it was really important to finish second because. Uh, it feels like your time at Dundee was marked by uh, financial uh, irregularities uh, taking precedence over what happened on the field. But obviously Rangers had their issues that summer and the club very unexpectedly ended up gaining promotion uh, to the Premiership as a result of that. And where were you when you heard that, or when it was confirmed that Dundee would be uh, playing in the top tier rather than the second tier, which you might have been expecting well, to I- yeah, well, I, I actually knew before it got announced. Um, so I was on the management committee of the PFA, um, and I'd, I'd been told that not it hadn't been confirmed, but I'd been told that we were going to be the ones to go up. They were they were definitely going to relegate St. Mirren, I think it was, or whoever, um, and we were the, we were the ones that was going to take their place. So you know, I I go and report back to, to to Barry and everything, and they're like, oh, you know, we don't know that it hasn't been confirmed. I was like, well, I do know that because it's come from a very good source. So. Um, you know, we need to we need to start preparing. We need to bring players in because we're going to be in the SPL. Um, but you know, the club didn't want to do that. They they were sort of like, no, until we get the official um, statement from the uh, SFA, then we'll we'll just hold fire. Um, and then I think we only got told sure, a couple of weeks was it before the start of the season that we were we eight were gonna... days or something like that. It was yeah, it was, yeah, it, was, it didn't give us much time to uh, to prepare. Um, even though, like I say, I, I knew with plenty of time, really. Um, yeah, so then we were always up against it because we didn't have the bright players in and then Barry, you know, was sort of just signing anyone that he could get hold of. And um, and that, that was a tough season because I, I think the defiant year, you know, we had an unbelievable team spirit. That year we didn't. There was, there was sort of a couple of the boys that came in, you know, it was a little bit fractious in the dressing room. There was a couple of boys that, you know, were 
not troublemakers, but they just didn't fit in and they were they were argumentative and in training it was yeah, it was just you could sort of feel that we were gonna struggle that year. Uh, regardless of going up late and, and not having time to prepare. Um, yeah, that, that's how I felt. I, maybe I'm the only one that, that saw that. Um, but I definitely, like I said, the successful teams have a great team spirit. We didn't that season. Um, there was there was too many sort of like divides for me, um, which needed to be sorted with one. Uh, and I think that's why we weren't weren't successful when we went down. And you made your top tier debut in a 0-0 draw against Kilmarnock on the opening day of that season. Dundee brought down a pretty big following that day. What are your memories from that game? Yeah, like you say, it's sort of a big thing, isn't it? Playing in the SPL and 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 uh, I suppose you're I suppose quite not nervous, but aware that you you stepped up when you probably don't deserve to be because we didn't win we didn't win the league. We we, we got um, you know, put up because of uh, Rangers going out of business. So you sort of I suppose first and foremost you don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to go there and, and lose by five or six nil. Um, but I think we, we equipped ourselves really well and, and it, was, it was very positive um, for, a, for a first game and uh, you know I suppose it gave you a little bit of confidence to realise that the step up isn't, you know, isn't anything to, to be worried about for sure oh yes they're better they're a little bit quicker a little bit stronger um, but we, we've definitely got enough in the dressing room to sort of hold our own um, but it just became a bit of a long season with a, with a few injuries and stuff like that and um, yeah we, we, we weren't good enough to, to stay up which was a shame um, but like I said obviously I, I could I could see it happening because of what I, I felt was was going on in the dressing room. One bright spot for you personally must have been the uh, free kick you scored against Harps. Yeah that was nice especially coming from Edinburgh as well where quite a few of my friends so it gives me plenty of ammunition to uh, um, I send them YouTube clips of it all the time just to uh, to remind them um, but yeah like I said that was obviously probably my personal highlight you know, scoring that goal because we were just Hartsy's bogey, bogey team that season weren't we I think we beat them 1-0 um, at their place and then, and then back at up and bear in mind I think when we played them at, uh, at Tynecastle I think Nishi got a penalty after about five minutes Conroy, yeah. Conroy scored the penalty and then we literally defended for 85 minutes and they just couldn't break us down. I think Rab saved the penalty, didn't he? And he did. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was it was a tough game, that one. I remember just, uh, it was a back to the wall sort of jobby, but they just couldn't break us down and it, and it, and it was great. And, and I think that's, you know, there were, there were a few highlights in that season. That obviously, the, the games against Hearts were, were, were a couple of them. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame that we didn't sort of equip ourselves quick enough to uh, to stay there but you know that is uh, I suppose that's the industry isn't it you step up you've got to be ready for it and, and we, we, we weren't quite quite ready for it and obviously it was that that was a season where um, you know Barry unfortunately um, lost his job didn't he that, that season wasn't it yes yeah, so that that was the season he was replaced by Bomber Brown in I think it was the February um, yeah. and when we spoke to Jim McAllister he was speaking about I think he was uh, quite um well, he wasn't happy that Barry lost his job, but he liked what Bomber did with the team. And I think he spoke about moving to a back three. And I've got memories of you playing more of a sweeper role. Um, yeah, might, yeah. yeah that, was, that was one of the first things he did. Yeah, he came, he came in and sort of said, look, let's let's try it. Let's, let's do something different. Let's go to a back three. And, and he put me in the middle um, as the old experience, get the couldn't run. Um, said, you, you just organise everyone, just shout at people, and that's fine by me. That, I was good at that. I was actually um, speaking to Ryan Conroy this week, and uh, it, I, I, he said to me, he said, I've, I've taken, because I, I asked him, you know, if he's got a contract for next season and stuff, and he was uh, he goes, I, I have. And he said, but I probably haven't got many years left in me. And he said, because you took two years off me by me doing all your running when uh, when I played in front. That's fine. I, was, I, I had Craig Forsyth before you, and I, I'll have people after you, that's for sure. Um, that I've uh, ruined their careers and taken years off their lives having to do my running. But no, but John, you know, just sort of said, look, go and, go and play centre-half, go and play sweeper behind Declan and, and Carl Benedictus and just, just talk to them, organise them. And you don't really do any defending, just, you know, be in the right place and, and, and be the sort of the general and, and, and stuff. And that's, yeah, that's how I, I play football. I'm always talking. I don't know whether you, you can hear that from the side, but every game you know, I'll come off with a sore throat afterwards. Even now when I'm playing, my, if you come and join me in my dad's five-a-sides on, uh, on a Thursday night, I just can't, I cannot play football and be quiet. I just, I'm just 
you know, bossing people around and not bossing them around, but just telling them what to do and uh, making sure they're in the right place and tracking their runners and, and uh, you know, being aware of the time or they've got a man on or it's just, that's just how I play. I, I was taught as a kid just to communicate and um, it just makes the game so much easier. So, you know, uh, John put me at the back there um, and it worked well, you know, for, for a few games and I, I quite enjoyed it. It was, it was different. I've never played there before in a, in a competitive game. Um, it was uh, it, it was quite good. Quite, quite, I quite I quite liked it. Um, I mean, sadly, it wasn't enough to keep us up. But did you feel that the that John Brown coming in and sort of shaking things up a little bit was there a point then where you felt like we could avoid relegation, or did it always feel like there was just too much of a gap between it was ourselves and St Mirren? Because uh, I remember John Brown uh, saying St Mirren are sinking faster than the Titanic at one point to wind them up. Um, but did you feel like there was always too much of a gap or did the belief grow as the results came? No, definitely. I, th- I think we all, we all felt we could catch them. Um, yeah, I, I think the belief was there. Everyone, everyone was sort of confident in their own ability. Um, and especially with that speaking formation and stuff like that, we, we did really feel that we could um, catch them because Samirin were, were poor that year as well. So it wasn't as though we were sort of miles adrift and we had no chance. Um, so we, yeah, we didn't give up. We, we, we were fighting and fighting and fighting. Um, but ultimately, you know, we, we had probably left it a little bit too, it was too little, too late. Um, but you know, John, John coming in, it was, you know, he's got a different approach to the game. He's got a different approach as a person, you know, cause he, he I remember the first day he came in and he got, you know, um, Scott Gardner brought him into the dressing room and, and said, oh, look, you know, this Obviously, it's a shame that Barry's gone, but we move forward, we move on, and, and Bomber's coming in to uh, to take over. He walked round to shake everyone's hand, and I've got quite a firm handshake, so I wanted to give him like a really firm handshake and stuff like that. Not, you know, not obviously give him the grip of death and, and really hurt him. Wow, the guy's got hands like shovels. Like literally, I think I had about four knuckles after I shook his hand, and I was like, I know exactly why he's gone round and done that. You know, shaking every boy's hand to say I'm the boss. And it, you know, and it, and it, that was his, that was his style, and it, it, it was good. I, I really like Bomber. You know, he, he was, he was, he was, he was great. And um, loads of stories. Obviously, the majority of them involved stories about Rangers and stuff. But uh, you know, he, he was, he was a good guy, and um, he worked us hard. He wanted winners. Uh, I suppose that's how he played as, as a, as a player. Um, but even in training, you know, you if you lost the five aside, you'd be punished. You know, you'd have to do like you know, hundred press ups or something stupid like that if, if you lost the five aside. So he wanted people to win. He wanted you to train how you played. Um, you know, but like I say, we, uh, we 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 fell short that season. Just we didn't we didn't quite have the quality that we needed to, to stay up. And following Dundee's relegation, you signed a new one year deal. Uh, what were your conversations with John leading up to the deal? Did you expect it similar to the uh, defiant season where you were playing well? Yeah, no, it was agreed towards the end of the season, but I suppose it's always difficult with a new manager coming in. You ne- you're never quite sure what their thoughts are or what their, um, you know, their sort of way they... At the end of the day, like I say, I was, what, what was I, 37 at the time? 30, you know, late 30s, whatever. I knew I was way past my sell-by date. Um, so you've always got that in the back of your head that, Look, they're just going to chuck the age thing at you that you're, you know, you're, not, you're not young anymore you can't get around the pitch like you used to which is fine I couldn't at the end of the day I, I had to learn how to play a, diff- a different style um, but I still thought I brought something to the table that I should get a new deal um, John just pulled me in and just said look you've been brilliant he said I've been so so pleased with you um, you've been fantastic you're a leader on the pitch you're exactly the sort of person I want at this football club and great that's, you know, as, a, as a player that's what you want to hear from your manager um, I think I, for me I, to be a good manager I think it's all about man management. You know, tactics-wise, we all know how tactics, you know, there's, there's only so many tactics you can play. Um, but to get the best out of your players and to make them want to run that extra extra yard to, to sort of really sort of do their best, um, you know, that's that's a skill in itself. And I think all the top managers that you see now, um, you know, like your Jürgen Klopp's and these guys, they've just got boys sort of just would do anything for them. Um, and and you know and, and and little things like that, you know, a two-minute conversation with the, with the manager telling me that he thinks I've been brilliant and he wants me to stay because he sees me as a leader. You know, you walk out of his dressing room, uh, out, of, out of his office, you know, chest chest sort of like pumped up, and uh, you're like, oh blimey, he, he likes me. Even even at my age, you know, he still works. Um, so so that side was uh, was good, and like I say, as soon as the contract was offered. 
obviously I was going to spin it because uh, um, you know, I wanted to play and, and stay for as long as possible. And you were a regular that season under John Brown, but once the club mutually agreed to part company with John and Paul Hartley joined, you were frozen out of first team action. So that must have been quite challenging. What were your conversations with Paul like when he joined? And just mentally, how do you deal with being part of a title-winning squad for half the season, but then being completely frozen out? How does that affect the achievement or your celebrations? Yeah, it was, it was tough. I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it. You know, like um, we went up that season and everyone was celebrating. I didn't feel part of it, even though I played you know 20-odd games or whatever it was. The annoying thing for me was, and, and this is Bomber's fault as well, so we played Falkirk away and we knew he was going to make changes but he hadn't discussed it with anyone and we didn't we normally you know you'd normally have a practice match on the Thursday and you'd go through how you were playing we didn't do that so we knew that there were going to be changes and at this stage we were back to 4-4-2 um, and I was playing at left back and then we get in the dressing room at, at, at Falkirk and he says right we're going to go to a three at the back and I was so close to standing up and saying Gaffer we can't we cannot play that way we're going to get annihilated um, because the way Falkirk play, you know, that they were very um, sort of fluid in midfield and, and, and we, just, we just could not go to that formation. It just was not going to work. But I bottled it. I, did, I didn't say anything. Um, we, you know, we go out, we go out, we're all at sea. They were all over us. I think Kyle gets sent off. And then we, we're, you know, we're, we're back to a back four anyway. I'm sent half now with, I think, Declan. Um, Willie Dyer's at left back. Um, you know, I think we lost 3-0 maybe. Um, and then the next game, we I think are at home to Alloa. Yes, and, the Alloa game. And then, and Bombers then pulled me the day before the game. He said, "Matt, I'm, I'm going to leave you out today." And I'm like, "What?" And he said, "Oh, you know, Willie Willie came in and did really well against Falkirk." And I was like, "Well, I didn't do badly." I said, "You played me out of position in, at, at sweeper. The formation didn't work. We just got battered. Just go back to what we've been doing for the last, you know, twenty games where I've been." consistently performing probably at a, you know, a, a, a fairly decent level. Um, the fact we're top of the league and, you know, why, why leave me out? Why am I the scapegoat? Um, and he was like, oh, well, you know, I just think well, he's you know, got a bit more legs than you and he, he did well. I think he deserves a chance. I was like, oh, great. Um, you know, so I, I, get, I get sort of punished for your lack of tactical awareness. Um, I was like, fine, whatever. Um, then, you know, he goes and gets the sack after that game. Hartley comes in, he says, right, I'm just going to keep it as it is. Same, same team that played against Aloha. I'm not going to make any changes. I'm thinking, hold up, I've played the whole season. That is a change at left back. Put me back in. Um, and he didn't. And uh, yeah, that, that was it. I mean, um, I don't know what his problem was with me. Um, you know, because no disrespect to, to Willie. Obviously, Willie was a, was a good player, but I'd still back myself to be better than him. Even at 38, I'd, you know, if there was a big game, I'd have, I'd have played myself all day long. Um, you know, for the experience and the composure I've got and the talking on the pitch. I know Dundee, like, we were a better team with me in it. And that, and that might sound big-headed and um, people might be like, oh, shut up, Matt, you don't know. Um, but I, I personally felt we were a better team with me in it. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that Willie's not a good player because he is, I like Willie a lot. And he always used to come and ask my advice and opinion on stuff. And I, obviously I would, I would help him. And, um, you know, I had a lot of time for Willie because he wasn't the sort of lad that was like competing against me. He, he, you know, he totally respected that I'd had a, you know, a, a decent enough career and he wanted to learn from me. And he said like in those, in those 20 odd games that I'd played, he said, he goes, I've learned more watching you play than I have in my whole career. And I was like, for, for a lad to say that to someone, you know, again, it shows how humble he is as a, as a person. Um, but again, it means, it means a lot to me that, that he would, he would actually sort of think that. Um, you know, so I help, I help Willie out a lot, but, you know, Paul's come in and um, I don't know whether he was told, but I actually applied for the job. When Bomber got sacked, I applied, I applied for the manager's job because I know I could have, I could have got us promoted. Um, you know, I've, I've, like I said, I've done my coaching badges. I was assistant manager. I've always wanted to be a manager. And, you know, I spoke, I spoke to... Um, Bill Colvin at the time and I told him I said look put me in charge I will guarantee us getting promotions because I think we were like five points clear at the time and I said it's so simple I said I know what needs to be done um, you know it is we, 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 we will go up put me in charge um, and I probably already tapped Hartley up so I knew he was coming in um, but I thought I've got to put my name in the hat because I just want them to know that I you know I, I want that job 
Um, but obviously they went with Hartley. Whether he found that out um, and maybe thought I was a threat, maybe he just thought I was an idiot and didn't like me. Um, but instantly, yeah, he had no time for me at all. I was on the bench for a bit. I then got, I think, I then pulled my calf in one of the stupid runs that the, uh, the fitness guy made us do after after the game, which I hate, and they make subs run. I, I pulled my calf and I was out for um, for probably three or four weeks, and then he never put me back in. Um, so yeah, I was just completely uh, hung out to dry, and uh, yeah, that was that was the end of my end of my time. As a, as a fan, one of the things I think one of the big changes, or at least the cosmetic change that I noticed was the uh, I don't know what you call them like the resistant bands at half time and yeah. obviously Tam Ritchie came in and changed things I mean what were the things that that Paul Hartley changed because I think as fans you see the you know you see the cones out and the rubber bands at half time but you're not really sure what the uh, you know what the reasoning is behind it so what was the explanation given to the players for the the changes to training regimes and fitness regimes and what were the, all of the changes that we might not have seen as fans? Uh, I don't think there was any real reason behind it. I mean, all the cones and the bands, that's just for show. That was a load of nonsense. I mean, don't, maybe I'm an old dinosaur and think, what? For me, that's just, oh, look at us. We're doing new things and we're so forward thinking. Load of crap. Absolutely load of crap for me. Um, you know, half time, you go in, you, you do your team talk, you come out. Yeah, you might want to do a, a few sort of like sprints to, to get back fit, but that was purely for show. Um, to say, oh look, look at look at us, we 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 do some amazing things because they did it at Alawa. You know, we, we went down there and played it, and um, you know that, that's not a bit of me at all. But um, I don't know, I don't think they changed anything. They just came in and did their thing. You know, training was fairly well organised and, and was, was quite good. But ultimately, you know, they came in. I think we were five points clear at the top, and then we went up what on goal difference in the end. So it was on. It was by two points because we needed Kyle to make the save. If that game had been a draw against Umbar, and then right. Akins would have gone up on goal difference. But yeah, it was. Right. It was yeah, because they won like 10 2 or whatever. But yeah, so so when they came in, we didn't pull away. We actually got worse. So the the, the gap actually closed. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and uh, sort of just sort of have a go at him or anything because in the end of the day he got promoted and he was there for, for a, a couple of years, wasn't he? But um, yeah, they didn't really sort of do anything that changed it, that improved stuff um, for me. Um, again, you, you go about good managers are good man managers and for me, that was severely lacking in, in Paul Hartley's uh, sort of armour. He, he's not a good man manager at all but, uh, and I think, you know, he ended up falling out with the boys and alienating quite a few people and, and ended up losing his job in the end but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he sort of didn't 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 do uh, very well by me. And obviously, you don't treat people how they treat you. And I look at it and think, not now, not for me at all. But that was going to be my final question about um, Dundee. Was obviously your time came to an end pretty abruptly um, from the outside looking in as fans anyway, because I think that um, your departure was announced on the club website before you'd been officially told that you weren't going to be offered a new contract. Um, yeah, and I, I remember that being in the the papers at the time, and there was quite a bit of. Uh, shock at it because you know despite um, you know what some would class as your advance in years you'd obviously uh, given a lot to the club over the previous couple of years and to to let a player go without letting them know about it before it's public is uh, it's a bit of a strange move so what was what were your recollections of that time? Yeah that hurt me I must admit you know spending four years at the club and doing everything that I had you know to, not that I did it to save the club or anything like that but going through the fine year and everything we'd been through um you come to the end of your contract and ordinarily what happens is you, the manager will you'll have individual meetings with the manager. you will come in and say, right, look, you've been great. Here's a new contract or thanks for your efforts, but you know, we're, we're going to let you go. Didn't get a call. Didn't know, you know, Paul Hartley never contacted me. I never had that meeting with him. No one from the club ever rang me to, to thank me for my you know, efforts and time at the club. I literally, Harry McLean actually rang me and he was like, Matt, I just wanted to wish you all the best for the future and thanks so much for everything you've done for the club. You know, the old chief executive rang me to thank me. Um, and I was like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, it's on the club website that you've been released. I was like, have I? No, literally no one from that club rang me. I, did, I didn't know. I did, did not know. I was actually toying with the idea of turning up for pre-season training and just going in and going, well, what? no one's told me I've been released. I must have a new contract. What, you know, it was. It really, really annoyed me that did. 
um, just the, the lack of common decency, you know, as, as, a, as a person. Like I said, man management skills, horrific. Um, that, I didn't like it at all. I thought I deserved more than that. And not even from the manager. You know, the manager came in in March time, whenever. Um, I suppose he didn't owe me anything. I didn't pay for him. So he probably thought, well, sort of, he, he knows he's going to get released. Um, but no one at the club sort of contacted me to, to say thanks or, or well done or, or you know. Um, yeah, that that did hurt. That was a bit of a bit a bitter pill to swallow. But again, that's football. You know, I'm, I'm big enough, nuggy enough, and I've, I've been um, uh, sort of treated poorly in my time where I wasn't really going to sort of get too upset or let it bother me. But um, yeah, I, I, I felt I deserved better than that. Um, and it was funny actually because I, I sort of said to a couple of the guys that I get on quite well with in the press, "Well, listen, I want to I want to write an article. I want to do an article about it." I think, uh, and they were like, "Well, no, we're not, we're not doing that because they didn't want to burn any bridges themselves with not being able to uh, to report from the club again because they they said, "Oh, not Hartley will probably just ban us from the uh, from the club if we, we say that." And I was like, "Fine, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go and uh, go elsewhere." But yeah, that after four years to have that sort of slap in the face it, it, it did hurt and I mean I've not been back to Den since um, you know I've, I've been invited a few times but at that, that time you know Hartley was still manager and, and the guys obviously were still uh, you know still involved with the club and I thought you know what no, I'm not, I'm not going to go back so um, yeah that, that was a disappointing end to my uh, my good four years there well hopefully it's not uh, it didn't sour all of your other memories of the club and uh, sure or hopefully once the football season's back up you'll uh We'll be back at Den soon, but what's um, what's your current involvement with football? I think uh, said at the at the top of the program that um, you do some work for BBC London, um, obviously with your uh, Leighton Orient connections and, and other connections in the town. But uh, are there any other ways that you've kept your sort of kept your hand in with football uh, since the end of your playing career? So I've been doing a bit of scouting for sort of like sort of friends of mine are, are managers and stuff like that. So I've been sort of scouting for, for those guys. Um, obviously, I'll do the commentating for BBC London. I mean, I've been doing that for about sort of seven or eight years now. Um, again, like you say, when I was at Leighton Orient, you know, we would do sort of quite a few interviews and stuff with, with BBC London. And they always said, look, you come across quite well on the radio. Do you fancy doing a bit of work for us once you uh, sort of can? Um, even, not even when I retired, because I was still doing it when I was at when I was at Dundee, and I was like, "Look, any any time I can I can do it. Count me in. I'm I'm up for it." So, because um, we 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 concentrate on the Premier League matches, um, so we we cover um, Spurs, West Ham, Crystal Palace. Obviously, when Fulham are in the Premier League, we 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 do those, those games. Um, you know, if the likes of Millwall and Charlton um, and Brentford are doing well. Um, if they've got important games, then I'll go and cover those. Say, like, say Brentford are playing Middlesbrough and it's yeah, trying to get in the playoffs, then I'll, I'll go through those games. But generally, we concentrate on the uh, on the Premier League games. I mean, I went over to Barcelona last season to do the uh, Barcelona New, um, Tottenham game at New Camp. Um, so you know, so it's, it's it's good. I enjoy it. Obviously, I'd love to stay in the game and be a coach and a manager, but. The opportunities just never, you know, sort of never arose. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Again, I haven't made this public knowledge, but I have, I have applied for the Dundee job in the past, um, but I don't even get the response to my uh, my application. So um, yeah, that one's probably uh, in the in, in the in the bin somewhere. But yeah, I'd love to be a manager. I'd love to be a coach, and um, I'm sort of maybe looking at those avenues now because, like I said, I've done my coaching pageants, but I've never sort of scratch that itch you know I've never I, I always felt that I didn't want to be a youth team manager anywhere I didn't want to start sort of the, at that level and work my way up I sort of wanted to to go in and the only clubs that I could probably do that are clubs that I was successful at and I felt I was successful at Dundee that's why I sort of looked at, looked at that route and obviously at Leighton Orient um, those those opportunities haven't haven't arisen, so maybe I'm looking at other other sort of avenues at the moment. But it's something that I would love to do. I think I'd be quite good at it. I think I'd be a decent manager. Having worked for good managers and worked for poor managers, I've learned from their mistakes and know the the right and wrong way to go about these things. Um, so hopefully one day I'll get uh, someone might take pity on me and be like, "Come on in, come and have a go with us and see what you can do." But uh, yeah, I mean, I, love, I still coach. I've got my soccer school that I do and, and stuff like that. So I do keep my uh, my eye in. But uh, yeah, that that would be that would be the dream because when you see 
players that I've played with and, and good friends of mine that are managing now like the Premier League and stuff like that down south. Um, I just sort of think, yeah, I, I, I could do that. I, I wouldn't mind having a, having a go because, like you say, you see some of these guys that have got jobs and like, wow, if you can do it, anyone can. Perfect. Well, uh, if you do decide to go down that avenue uh, and you have any particular particular players that uh, are uh, grade A players who uh, could do with a period out on loan, uh, we Scottish team remember Dundee that's all we'll say <laughs> um, but um, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there so thanks so much for your time Matt and for chatting to us about the defiant season it, it never tires us to talk about it because um, it was a special uh, period in the club's history so thanks for taking the time to chat with us no my pleasure thanks for having me on